Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Manis of St. Louis Public Radio and The Beacon. My usual colleagues, Jason Rosenbaum and Chris McDaniel, are away on assignment. This morning, we're having House Budget Chairman Rick Stream, Republican from Kirkwood, who has been kind enough to once again visit the podcast. He's going to talk to us about the battles over the budget for the fiscal year that begins July 1st. And also, he's going to talk a little bit about the school transfer fight, which also is the other hot issue. And I'm joined by Marshall Griffin, our correspondent in Jefferson City. Hey, Marshall, how are you? Doing good. So, Representative Stream, if you want to talk a little bit about how you see the budget fight and uh, where things are going at this point. Sure. Um, We, the House and the Senate, and the governor usually come together in uh, in December, and we did again this past December to do a consensus revenue estimate. Um, it's basically the nonpartisan people working together to find uh, using economic data to determine what they think the revenue growth is going to be for the next fiscal year and the remainder of this fiscal year that we're in, fiscal year 14. Well, we couldn't come to an agreement. So uh, the House and the Senate are going to use the numbers that they believe the revenue growth will be, which is 2% for the rest of this year. And 4.2% for the following year, fiscal year 15, which, as you said, starts July the 1st. The governor's numbers were a little higher. So he proposed in his state of the state uh, last month uh, a budget that, in our estimation, is about $310 million more than we think will be coming in uh, in revenue in the ne- this fiscal year and the, and the new fiscal year. So we have crafted a budget, or I have, on, on the House side, the Senate uh, Senator Schaefer, the Senate Approach Chair, is doing the same on the Senate side. Uh, I have crafted a budget uh, just as, with guidelines to the appropriations chairs that matches the revenue numbers that uh, we think will be there. So it's going to basically take last year's truly green, finally passed budget bills. That's what we're starting. And we're going to increase funding on each one of those lines. So, for instance, in education, we're taking last year's uh, House Bills 2 and 3, which are for K-12 education and higher education. And I've given the chairman of that committee, uh, Mike Lair from Northwest Missouri, uh, an increase of roughly around $317 million for education for both House Bills 2 and 3. Now, this is upper and public uh, education? Uh, yes, that's K-12 right. and higher ed. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. So uh, he has um, – he and I have talked a little bit, and I've said that he – his committee should go through and, and basically examine each line in our core funding, which is last year's bills, as well as look at all the new decision items from the governor, as well as any new decision items that come up in his committee, and determine which ones are, are the best to fund, which ones are – will provide the best education bang for the buck, as we like to say, uh, for both K-12 and higher education. So he will – start that process. He's already been having hearings anyway, but now he has some numbers to work with, and I think uh, his committee will, will do a great job of basically vetting all of the information and coming up with, up with a great education uh, recommendation for the full budget committee. And, and all the other appropriations committees will do the same thing. Now, your proposed education increase is about roughly $160 million less than what the governor had proposed. Uh, do you get down into the nitty-gritty of where you would trim his proposed increases? Well, um, to be honest with you, Joe, we, we're looking at what we funded last okay, year. Okay, so you're doing it the other way. That's okay. correct. We're moving – we're going up uh, the ladder because – well, but the big item, let's just – we'll be honest about it, is he put $278 million into the foundation formula. 
um, we're probably not going to be able to put that kind of money in there. So, uh, but we will be funding a lot of K-12 uh, education needs. For instance, I'll probably recommend, um, and I know Chairman Lair is is on the same page on this because he's a rural former school administrator and superintendent. He wants to put money into transportation, buses for the rural areas especially. So we'll we'll probably put more money into transportation than the governor did and less money into the foundation formula. But there are other needs uh, out there um, in K-12 education that are that are desperate uh, and we need to fund those. Uh, we're we're going to try to do all of that um, and see where, where the numbers come out. Of course, again, it really depends on what happens at the appropriations subcommittee level. I wanted to jump in real quick with a, kind of a Medicaid budget-related question. Okay. Uh, there was a, an attempt already to expand Medicaid in the Senate uh, that happened last week, and I'm sure that there will be a number of amendments to do so um, in the House Budget Committee uh, meetings, various meetings. Have you heard uh, that there might be any realistic attempt to do a moderate expansion of Medicaid tied with, ref- with reforms and free market uh, access that uh, Representative Barnes uh, has been working on since last year. Any any um, possibility that there might be room for ex- ex- accepting some federal money uh, in under those conditions? I think that uh, Representative Barnes has, has been working very hard. Uh, I was on his interim committee when we had the hearings uh, from, I guess it was uh, July through through December. Um, and our goal in those hearings was try to find ways that we could reform and transform the Medicaid system, which most people believe is, is broken, certainly in Missouri. Uh, we spent about $8.5 billion on Medicaid in Missouri. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of waste, fraud, and abuse in the system. And I think uh, Representative Barnes and Sue Allen has a bill, and I think Doc Frederick has a bill. These are all representatives um, to try to reform and transform the system. I'm not sure that we're going to be able to get to the point where we can do it in the budget, I think those bills are going to – because the budget has to be out of the House by the end of March. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think any any attempts to just expand Medicaid in, through the budget process in the House will probably be defeated. But if the bills that, that uh, Representative Allen and Frederick and Barnes are working on, and there may be another one out there too, um, come to fruition, I mean, if they if they come up with a good plan that really reforms and transforms the system the way that we Republicans would like, uh, and there's some kind of an expansion uh, that includes more federal dollars, but in a plan that uh, that we think will not encourage people to be on welfare, but actually to, to get off of welfare, and then I think you're going to see that type of a bill actually make it uh, down the path. I'm not sure it, it will pass through the House. But I think that's the discussion we're having in the House right now as to whether we think we can actually do a, a serious reform and transformation bill uh, that would that the federal government would uh, accept. Is there a specific when, – when you, when you talk about reform and, and change, uh, is there something specific that you guys are looking at changing from the current system that, that you think is needed to re- reform the system? I think several – there's a there are a lot of issues with Medicaid. Again, it's, uh, it's we spent eight point five billion dollars on it. It's the largest line in the in the state budget, by far. Um, I think you're gonna some of the areas that are that are problematic uh, right now are um, the frequent flyers. In other words, people who go into the emergency room 
routinely, once a day almost, mm-hmm. as opposed to going to a, a, a doctor, a general practitioner, home health specialist, whatever you want to call it. If we can um, deal with those folks, then we save a lot of money right there. Um, and the hospitals can help us on that too. Is, uh, so we're, we're working with the hospitals on that. I think that the computerized system in the uh, state Medicaid system is is really uh, in bad shape. I've worked with several constituents who have had information lost in the system. Uh, they've had been charged for services that they didn't receive. Somebody else received them. So there's a, there are a lot of problems with the computer system itself. I just think the way that we actually um, try to get health care to, to the very poor people, the poorest poor, um, needs to be addressed. And I think that's what we're going to try to do. Again, we're not inclined to increase um, the medical subsidies, I guess, as if you want to call it, for people who make up to 138% <clears throat> of the poverty level. However, um, if we had a system that um, that would gradually – that would get up to that point but then gradually work people off of the system um, over, a, say, a two-, three-year period, uh, I think there would be a lot of support in the House for that among the Republicans – um, we want to help people get the proper health care, but we don't want to just expand the system. I've had people in my district who are Democrats who who are on Medicaid say to me, don't expand the system until you fix it. So that's what we're going to try to do. I'm not sure we're going to get there this year, but we're going to, we've, we've made a good faith attempt and we're going to continue to do that uh, through the regular bill process. Now, I know there's been some pressure, I mean, increasing pressure from the Missouri Chamber. <clears throat> um, and some other business groups who ha- say they're going to be more um, assertive this year about trying to persuade the legislature to expand Medicaid. How is that being received? You know, the hospital association uh, was pretty assertive last year in uh, trying to get uh, re- representatives and senators to to change their mind on it, and um, it had it might have had a little bit of effect, but it, uh, overall, it didn't. Uh, and I don't think the chamber's efforts are going to be any any better uh, this year around the whole issue of uh, Medicaid expansion is is uh, one that we Republicans for the most part oppose philosophically as well as financially and politically. I mean, uh, we don't think it's a good policy to expand welfare in the country. Uh, we don't think financially it's a good idea to to expand the federal debt. Uh, another in this year, two almost two trillion dollars, and politically. Um, since President Obama has been elected, uh, Missourians have voted against uh, him, him and his policies, and specifically Medic- the Medicare, Medicaid proposal, by overwhelming majorities. And Republicans have gained 21 seats in the Missouri House since he was elected. So we didn't campaign on this. The people of Missouri don't like what's happening in Washington, D.C. We're not going to go along with what is being proposed out of Washington, D.C., but if we can come up with a better plan that really does – provide better access to health care for the very poorest people without basically uh, putting people into a system that, that they never get out of, then I think you're going to see that move through the House. When you talked about, okay, you would expand transportation money for education, yes. not the foundation formula uh, as much, um, even with the addition of um, what you guys are talking about for education, is there – some other um, money that the governor is wanting to spend that you expect 
the General Assembly not to go along with as far as when you craft the budget? I said because there is about a $310 million difference. Over the entire budget. Right, correct. Um, You know, there are parts of the – the budget is uh, thousands and thousands of lines, um, and we're going to go through each one of them. From a general perspective overall, uh, we don't disagree with um, a lot of what the governor has proposed. Um, We just don't agree that we have the money to do all of it. So, for instance, I've I've been saying since we started this process, since the governor proposed his budget, that uh, we would – increase funding in most of the areas that he is increasing funding in, just not to the level that he's proposed. Okay. Marshall? Well, one particular area that I wanted to focus on um, in education spending, uh, there was a uh, a hearing last month regarding um, paying for student assessments under the new Common Core standards, and uh, uh, Christine Castro approached one of the, uh, the committees and said that they've requested $30 $30 million next year's budget instead of uh, $12 million uh, to measure uh, student assessment. The, 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 the thought being that Common Core itself is not going to um, cost the state any extra money, but uh, measuring the success rate or failure rate of students under the new standards uh, will cost more. Uh, what, do, you, do you think $30 million is reasonable to measure student assessment? Well, I think the new number is $12 million. Um, it was started off at $30 million, and her last uh, testimony before the Budget Committee was down to $12 million. So uh, it's a more reasonable number, and they've changed the, the format for the testing. We're going to pay for ACT testing of all of our students as they're leaving high school, uh, and it's, there's going to be actually a reduction in the amount of testing uh, that, that's, that the schools uh, and the teachers and the administrators certainly like that part of it. So the whole Common Core issue is another issue that um, that's pretty controversial right now. Uh, the standards money was spent on Common Core uh, for the last four years in the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, with uh, four or five people working on it constantly. So money has been spent, but we're that's that's water under the bridge now. We're we're going to look at uh, where we're going from this point forward. We like to make sure that the assessments that are being done are going to reveal the data, give us the data that we need to know about how well our students are doing. You know, we've spent over the years a lot of money for 20 years on map testing. It's a good test. It was written by Missourians with Missouri values for Missouri kids. It's a very good test. Um, I'm I'm a little um, unhappy that we're not going to be using that test, uh, that we've gone to a different approach. But we, uh, we do need to assess the kids. So the the request from the from Dr. DeCastro for twelve million dollars will probably um, be okayed in the budget, but I I can't say that for sure. It'll go through the appropriations committee first and before it gets to the full budget committee. Okay, so it has been re- revised down to twelve million. That's that's what I understand. Yes. A little bit broader question. Um, you've, we've all heard the governor uh, say twice back in October and then during his state of the state address that um, his goal is for um, for the uh, the student uh, K through 12 funding formula to be fully funded um, by next year. Do you think that's realistic and, and doable at this point? Uh, not unless revenues come in a lot higher than uh, than uh, we think that they will. Um, even under the governor's um, higher percentage increases, uh, he only increased it uh, ha- by half, um, $278 million. So uh, he would have to come up with another not only 278 next year, but another 278. So it's compounded. 
So we're talking about nearly $600 million in education, additional education funding next year. So I'm not sure uh, with this um, the economy that we're in, and I, I don't even want to call it a recovery, really. It's, it's, I think we're still in a recession, uh, that we're, we're not seeing the growth in revenues right now. I'd like to see at least get up to the 2% for the rest of this year that I predicted, or at least our economists in the House and the Senate predicted. But right now the revenues are coming in under 1, 1%. Exactly. In fact, that's what I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, since under the state constitution you have to have a balanced budget, correct. of course it will be up to the governor to decide where to trim things if if they have to be trimmed at the end. But how surprised – are you that the state income right now for this fiscal year is under 1% growth? And um, how does that affect the tax cut uh, discussions? Well, two things. Um, I am a little surprised. Again, the the percentages that we work with are derived by economists, uh, not politicians. And so th- they're using their best data uh, to at the time, which was early December, to come up with these these numbers, in this case, 2% for this year and 42 for next year. So um, I have to defer to their judgment on what they th- thought the economy was going to be doing this year. Missouri had a little bit of a anomaly in fiscal year 13 because the federal government changed the capital gains tax rules and said that the taxes on capital gains were going to go up in, f- in uh, starting calendar year 13. A lot of people across the country and in, and in Missouri cashed in their, their stocks – to pay the lower tax rate on capital gains in calendar year 12, which was fiscal year, the first six months of fiscal year 13 for us. So Correct. we had a huge spike in capital gains tax revenues in fiscal year 13, a 36% increase. So that drove up the revenue in 13, fiscal year 13 beyond what we certainly thought it was going to be. Yeah, which was why there was that seven hundred, several hundred million dollar surplus. Surplus. Right at the end. That's correct. 10% growth that year. Well, fiscal year 14 has dropped back to reality. Correct. And perhaps it's not even going to reach the, the, the reality that we predicted of 2%. Uh, the governor predicted almost 3% for for 14. So we're we're hoping that it gets up to 2%. If it doesn't, as you pointed out, uh, when we pass a budget uh, and send it to the governor, it's up to the governor then to ensure that uh, he ba- keeps it balanced, that the revenues that are coming in uh, exceed the expenditures that are going out. So that's the first part. The second part on the tax cut, I think um, I haven't looked at this year's tax cut bill very closely, but I know that it's it's similar to last year's in that uh, – there will be no reduction in rates unless a certain amount of revenue over and above what was coming in last year actually comes in this year. So that's how we f- we did last year's bill. This year's bill, I think, is similar, although I think the percentages are even lower. There's a, it's a smaller tax cut than, than last year's proposed one. Okay. Uh, Marshall? Well, um, I would like to, if it's uh, not too early to do so, uh, talk about the the student transfer issue and this um, new proposed um, solution that the uh, Missouri State School Boards Association has come up with. Um, basically, it would um, uh, instead of um, instead of ripping accreditation from an entire school district, uh, each individual school building uh, would be, I guess, evaluated, and um, and the solution would be to enter into a contract with the State Board of Education. Uh, to you know, provide whatever intervention is needed, 
And um, if that uh, contract is executed, the state board will not remove accreditation from the entire district. Um, and now, I'm not going to ask you to speak for the state board as what action they may or might, may not take on this plan, but uh, with um, the school transfer uh, bills that are currently in the House and the Senate, I mean, do you see that um, this particular solution um, uh, getting anywhere, uh, whether the, a, a certain lawmaker were to adopt this plan or sponsor it in the House, do you, how far do you think it might get? I'm not sure how far that particular plan would get. Uh, I'm filing a bill this week. Uh, on the student transfer issue. I've been working on it for about six months, and I've got it just about where I want it to be. It's uh, basically a four-part bill. It will protect the receiving districts from from taking more students than they have room for based on their building capacities and classroom capacities. The second part will be to protect the sending districts, in other words, the unaccredited districts, from from going bankrupt by reducing the amount of money that's sent from the sending district to the receiving district to 70% of the tuition of the receiving district. The third part of the bill will be to address the provisionally accredited districts and the accredited districts that are borderline uh, by sending in uh, review teams, uh, similar to what we used to do with the MSIP um, teams back in the 90s. Uh, Those teams would go in and, and assess what's going on in those school districts and determine uh, what needs to be done to correct uh, the downward slide of those districts. In the provisionally accredited districts, the recommendations will be mandatory that they implement them. In the accredited districts that are borderline, the recommendations will be uh, voluntary if they want to take them. What we're trying to do with this part of the bill is to prevent provisionally accredited districts from sliding into unaccreditation. After all, Normandy was provisionally accredited for 20 years before it finally went unaccredited. There was plenty of time to turn that district around, and you know nothing really happened. And we also want to make sure that, unaccre- that accredited districts, but borderline ones, don't slide into provisionally accredited. The goal in all of this, Marshall, is to try to uh, ensure that every student in Missouri has, an, has access to a, a high-quality education. So that's the number one goal of my bill. The fourth part of my bill, though, is, is going to be the toughest part, and that is what to do with the students who are left in these unaccredited districts. In Normandy and Riverview, roughly a fourth of the students have transferred out to the surrounding county districts. Francis Howell has taken the most, Melville and Kirkwood the next most, and most of the other districts have taken uh, some students. So... That's one way for students to have access to a quality education is to transport them, uh, similar to what we've done for 30 years in St. Louis County uh, with the VIC program, the VTS program. Students coming from St. Louis Public School System out to the county district. Kirkwood has participated in that for 30 years like many other districts. Um, I was on the school board for 12 of those years. My children went to school with the kids from the city since 1982. So uh, it's, it's a system that has worked. Um, many of the, some of the students who are, who are in that system, in that plan, are serving in the legislature now. They, they say it was good for them. So that's one way to allow kids to get access to a quality education. But if a parent doesn't want their child to be transported to a faraway district, what, what does she or he do to get their child into a, into a school that is accredited? Now, we, in my bill, like some of the other bills and the plan that you mentioned, 
we're going to accredit buildings as opposed to school districts. The school district will be accredited, but within the school district, if it's unaccredited, buildings will be scored also. And if a building is accredited, not provisionally or unaccredited, but if a building, school building is is accredited, then students will transfer to that building first, so they stay close to their closer to their home. Um, I also have in in this section uh, some proposals that uh, could be implemented: longer school day, longer school week, summer school, expansion of charter schools. Um, the state will uh, state achievement district. Uh, will will uh, be implemented in these unaccredited districts. That was a proposal from the school administrators a while back. I think they've changed it now. I also am going to put in there a pr- proposal to allow students to uh, transfer to a non-sectarian private school in the geographical area that's included in the whole transfer proposal. So uh, I know Senator Chappelle Nadal has that por- part in her bill, too, except she restricts it just to the district in which the student lives. I'm going to expand it. Again, my goal is to help these students in these unaccredited failing districts today. I'm not going to wait two years or five years or ten years like some of these proposals. We need to help the third graders and the fifth graders and the seventh graders who are in these schools now. They need to make be have full access to high-quality education that is apparently not there now. And that's the goal of my bill, is to assure that these kids get a chance. One last thing. We spend $670 million a year on prisons in Missouri. 53% of the inmates go to three school districts, or came from three school districts, Kansas City, St. Louis, and Wellston, which is now part of Normandy. From a financial and a humane standpoint, it behooves us to get these kids into programs that will help them not go to prison, not be on welfare, not be on unemployment, but instead have a job and be paying into the system and have good and productive lives. That's the goal of my bill. And I'll be filing it this week, and I'll have a summary out to everybody. Okay. This has been terrific. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Uh, thank, thank you. Thanks, Marshall, for being with us in um, – Jefferson City, you can check our archives of this of all of our politically speaking shows at stlpublicradio.org. You can among them is a more lengthy show that we had with Representative Spring Stream this summer in which he did talk a bit about his background. So thank you so much for joining us and hope to see you again next time.